all of you kids that are going back to your seats, I have a question for you. What does it mean to pray? Anybody want to shoot at it? Let's start with littlest ones. What does it mean to pray? What do you do when you pray? Let's see if I can find the littlest one. Oh, there we've got the littlest. What's it mean to pray? What? Did he say talking to God? To thank God. You know what? That's a pretty good definition of praying. What, you going to add to it? Yes, please add to it. To talk to God? To thank God? You going to add to it? To ask God? Good, good. Well, the basic definition is to talk to God. Now, you know why I wanted to ask who was the littlest? Because last year at Good News Club, which is the public school, Harrison Elementary School, just a few blocks down here in Western, I asked that same question. And you know, we went through about eight children who raised their hand. Because see, they're different than you all. When I ask a question at, at Harrison, everyone raises their hand if they know the answer or not. They raise their hand. Around here, they don't. Do you need help? Oh, there's a passy over there. You found it. I, all of them raised their hand, and you know, we went through about eight children. I called upon about eight children to tell me what it means to pray because we were about to pray. And did you know that not one of them gave even a close answer? Some of the answers I received were, were you might say, superstitious religious but even the simplest definition of talking to God or thanking God, they didn't know. How many of you knew that praying is talking to God? Oh, praise God. That's wonderful. Kids, you have moms and dads who are teaching you and telling you about how to talk to God, how to pray. It's wonderful. Can you take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts Acts chapter 2. We've been looking at a key theme verse that is true for our church. In fact, it's true for all churches. What are the basic things that churches should do? And I hope you know them. We've been going down through it. For it tells us in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 that then they that gladly received his word, this is the word preached by Peter of the gospel, they were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here's what the church continues to do from that day to this day. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly. What's that mean? They didn't stop. It was something that was really important to them. Later in the New Testament, we have a really famous verse. Have you ever heard the verse that says, pray without ceasing? You know what that means? Is to pray and never stop praying. Now you might think, wait a minute. Hmm. How do I do that? Well, you know, it all has to do with how we think of prayer. 
What is prayer? We just said it was talking to God. We just heard that it was thanking God. You know, there's another definition that might help us. It's to be abiding with God. You know what I mean by that? That means that everywhere you go, you acknowledge God as being there right there with you. You go to bed at night, he's there with you. Every conversation during the day, he's right there. Are we conscious of his presence? And do we acknowledge him in all of our conversations, in all of our moments of silence, and in the specific times that we talk to him? That's kind of what it means to be steadfastly. Now, there are specific times in which we do bow our head, sometimes fold our hands, sometimes close our eyes, sometimes get down on our knees and specifically talk to God. But really, we need to be thinking of the fact that all of our conversations, God is right there in them. And do we acknowledge him in all our ways? Now, there's specific times of prayer. Now, we look here at Acts, and this is at the very beginning of the church. And we go right down through the book of Acts. And you know what? We find lots of examples of the church praying. As I was preparing this message some weeks ago, I started to survey all the prayers in the book of Acts. Oh, that was fun. And I decided, wait a minute, I only intended to preach one sermon on this topic. How do I do this? I can't even survey all of them. There's so much and it's so exciting. But as I started to go down through, I found that there's a lot of different kinds of prayer and for different things in the, in the Gospels and then in the book of Acts that the early church were involved in. And it's really, really fascinating. Later this morning, we're going to look at the, the next prayer in the passage that's recorded. And it's in Acts chapter 4. I'd like you to just turn over there. and We're going to read it now because we're going to come back and talk about this more specifically in the morning sermon. This is an interesting story. The early church, the Christians, are going out and telling everybody, everybody about Jesus. And there's some people who are threatening them and are really causing a lot of trouble. And after they've been threatened, being told that they're going to get in a lot of trouble if they keep talking about Jesus, they give this prayer in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. And when they heard that, this threat, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. And against his Christ, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. 
Now, we're going to go through this phrase by phrase later, but did you hear what they're praying for? What's their prayer request? Does anybody see it? Look over it. What are they praying for? Jed? Boldness. Yes, they're praying for boldness. There's one other request they give. Did you see it? What's the other request they make? Right before the one for boldness. You see it? Yes, Mr. Dietrich. Protection. They're asking for God to see, see the threatenings and do something about it. We have this prayer. And you see, this is the whole church gathering together in one accord, praying for boldness and for God to see these threatenings. And when, it, when you pray for God to see something, you know what you're praying for him to do? Is to see it and do something about it. That's really exciting to think that God will do something about it. Well, what other prayers do we have? Well, if we keep turning our pages, we come to Acts chapter 6, where there is a special ministry of the apostles here where they are being distracted from a particular important thing, and that is giving themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. You know those two things go together. And here they are saying that we need to give ourselves to prayer. You know the next prayer we find is a guy named Stephen. I like that guy. You know why? Because I'm named after him. I always like Stephen. Stephen has some interesting prayers. And it's really interesting. Will you turn with me to Acts chapter 7? In Acts chapter 7, if you look at chapter Acts 7, 59, Stephen is calling up on God and he's saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Anybody want to think about that prayer and tell me or have any ideas? What makes that prayer so special? Is that prayer special? Well, I got some questions. What's going on at that very moment? Jesus is in heaven. And he's standing at the right hand of God. And God has let him see right into heaven. Jesus standing there. But what's happening to Stephen? Justice, do you know? You know? How about you, Owen? No? Ah, what's happening? He's being stoned. There's people who are throwing rocks at him. And what's he do? He prays. He prays and he says, Lord Jesus, which means master, the one who saves, the Jehovah who saves, receive my spirit. Do you know what he's telling all of us? He has absolute confidence that no matter how much these stones hurt and no matter how terrible things may be, he has hope in coming to be 
with God. And it's because of that special trust, this is a prayer of trust, he continues in his prayer. What do you think the next part of his prayer is? Do you think it's, God, make the stone stop. Make the stone stop hurting. Do you think that's what it is? No. Will somebody look ahead at the end of Acts chapter 7, and when you know what he prays for, will you tell me, will you raise your hand and tell me what does he pray for? Oh, some of you didn't even have to look very long. Jesse, what did, what did he pray for? Oh, my. What's that mean? What kind of a prayer is that? Yes. He wants God to forgive these people who are throwing stones at him. Wow. That's an amazing prayer. You know, I think that the only way he could pray that prayer is because of the prayer he prayed in, the first, in verse 59. Because he knew he could trust God. And because he could trust God, he could pray, forgive them. And when Stephen died that day, Luke the historian records that it was as if he fell asleep. Well, we can keep on going. We continue on through, and there's some times of skipping over, but in, in Acts chapter 10, there's a change about to happen in the way that society works, especially with Jewish people. Did you know that racism and prejudice has been a problem in lots of parts of the world? Did you know that cultures have had troubles throughout many generations, and it's threatened even the church? We, that was part of the issue going on in Acts chapter 6. But Acts chapter 10 is something really significant because now the gospel is going to start going to Gentiles, non-Jews. But you know what's also really exciting about Acts chapter 10 is that there are Gentiles who are already believers in God. And we find a non-Jew named Cornelius praying. And while he's praying, he has a vision, and he's told to go to Joppa and find a man there at Simon the Tanner's house. And that man, ah, go see him. So Cornelius stops his praying, and he goes to Joppa to find a man there at Simon the Tanner's house. Who's that man he's going to find? Does anybody know his name? Jesse? Peter. Does anybody have any ideas what Peter is doing? What are we talking about today? Elijah? He's praying. Boy, we find people praying all the time. This is one of the most important times. And we find Peter praying. We find Cornelius praying. And it's in this time that God gives a vision to Peter too. And it's that sheet coming down from heaven, and we don't have time to go through the whole story. But in that day, two men praying results in a major change in way people were thinking in the entire Jewish world. Well, you know what? Problems were all over in the early church. And did you know Peter ends up getting arrested? How many of you have ever been arrested for telling people about Jesus? 
I can't put my hand up. Hmm. You know, I think that's something we ought to pray about. What, how? Thank God. Because in the majority of the world throughout history, people suffer a lot for talking about Jesus. We used to have a man who used to come to church here who was from China. And even before he came here to the United States, he had been arrested for being a Christian. He went back to China, and he was arrested for a time and imprisoned for a time for being a Christian. He went into hiding for a time, which is kind of like being arrested. You know, he's back in the United States now. Just for being a Christian? Well, this happens to Peter. Now, how many of you ever prayed for somebody who was in prison? I hope we do, because there are, we hear stories of people from different parts of the world who are in prison. Well, in this early church, Peter ends up in prison. Now, if one of you got arrested, do you think we would pray for you? I hope so. So what do you think the church did when Peter got arrested? They prayed for him. They got together and they started praying. And it's actually kind of a funny, mm, sad, mm, I don't know what kind of a story. It's one of those kind of interesting stories that's so real. Isn't that amazing? The Bible's always so real. There's a bunch of people doing just what they should do. They're praying for Peter. And you know what? God answers it with a miracle. With an angel, he answers their prayer. And when Peter shows up at the house where they're all praying and he knocks on the door, they keep on praying and they don't believe that somehow God would answer their prayers. It's interesting that there's several times in the Bible when it talks about praying and it says to pray believing. I've really been struck by one in James where it says that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Believing. Believing that he will give it. That's an anticipation that God's going to do something. This is one of the big things about prayer that's really important not to miss. Sometimes, and unfortunately this was the idea that many of the children had from our neighborhood here, is that praying is this kind of saying words, talking through some beads, just this talking thing or this meditation thing or this chanting thing. But no, real prayer is praying to a real person, expecting that person to actually do something. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? It sure is. And, uh-oh, I feel like some of the people in this, this house praying for Peter sometimes. I pray, but I don't really think God's going to do anything. Shame on me. I need a Rhoda in my life. Y'all know who Rhoda is. Rhoda's the one who's like saying, God's answered our prayer. God's answered our prayer. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. I've always wondered why she just didn't open the door. I have a theory. Her mom and dad told her, don't open the door unless 
unless you can see who it is, right? Maybe. I don't know. But Rhoda didn't open the door. But Peter's there. Peter's knocking on the door. And she's telling them all. And you would think that the very thing they're praying for God to answer, they would be excited for. But they're not. They're not even looking for it, it doesn't seem. Now, I don't want to be too hard on those people. So let's be hard on ourselves. The next time we sit down and pray, let's remember Rhoda. Or better yet, let's think about the overarching definition I gave of prayer a few minutes ago. What was it? The abiding with Jesus. To recognize the very presence of Jesus with you everywhere you are, and that every word and thought he knows. And is he a part of it? Is he a part of the conversations in our head and the conversations we're actually having with other people or with ourselves? Is he acknowledged? You see, I think that's the solution for this idea of praying but not praying, to really recognize that God is there. Prayer released Peter from prison, but I think it also, that very time, taught them and us how wonderful God is and that God hears our prayer. Well, you know, the church was given a job, weren't they? What's the job the church has been given? Anybody know what that job is? We have a fancy term for it. We call it the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Hmm. Oh, he said it. Being bold as a lion, brave as a bear. Does that mean you go around growling at people? No, that's, that's Ebenezer Scrooge. That's not what it means by being bold as a lion, brave as a bear. Actually, I don't know. Well, I will go to that later. But what's the next line after that? Tell the gospel story. Share the gospel story. Now, do you think we need to pray about that? What do you think? Yes or no? Did some people say no? Well, you know, in the very early church, in Acts chapter 13, there were the first missionaries sent out. And do you know what one of the first things they were doing before they even sent them? Is praying for them. And so we need to be praying for all the missionaries, both the ones that are going um, out in this body, I'm talking about yourself, and the missionaries that are being sent to Africa or wherever they're going. You see, we need the power of God because the gospel is not about how creative or how smart or how wealthy the missionary is. It is about the Spirit of God filling them and working through them and reaching people for Jesus. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 3, it tells us that with prayer and fasting, these missionaries were selected, Paul and Barnabas, and sent out. These missionaries went out and they started to preach the gospel to people and people started to get saved. And then they were going to ordain elders, pastors in every city. And what's one of the parts of that? Also, prayer and fasting. That's an important business of appointing elders involving prayer and fasting. 
And we keep going in Acts chapter 16. And Peter, Paul comes to Acts chapter 16, this time with Silas. And there's no synagogue in Acts chapter 16. It's in the city of Philippi. So they go down to the river. And do you know what they find down at the river, at the laundromat? What do they find at the laundromat? They find a group of women. That's kind of sexist if you think about it. But we won't talk about that. That's how some people interpret a lot of things in the Bible. It's not what it's talking about. What do they find at the laundromat? They find a bunch of women. And you know what the women are doing? They're praying. Huh. That's interesting. Nowadays, when you go to the laundromat, what are people doing? I don't carry my phone on somebody. Somebody's got a phone I can use as an illustration. Now what are they doing? Now, most of us have washing machines in our house and the laundromats in our basement or in our side room, but you ever thought about the fact that doing laundry is a great time to pray? To pray. Now, were these women actually that day doing laundry or coming together to actually pray? It doesn't, it's not real clear, but it's probably both. It's probably both. They were being intentional about coming together at the same time for fellowship in prayer and to get a dirty job done, the laundry. Here we see continuing in prayer, even while, while doing the chores. Oh, how that might change our way and our view of chores. I want to ask you how many of you like chores, but then how many of you don't like chores, but what's the big deal? Chores, continuing steadfastly in prayer. That's how Paul and Silas met this group of women, is this group of women coming there to pray. And not long after, Paul and Silas find themselves in that same city in their jail, their prison. And what do you think Paul and Silas are doing in jail now? So they started off at a prayer meeting at the laundromat. And then they end up in jail. Are they pouting and sulking, cursing and screaming? Crying out for being unjustly put in jail? Is that what they're doing? They're, they're what? They're preaching, he says. Hmm. You know, he's actually kind of right, but that's not the words the Bible uses. What's the other word the Bible uses? They were singing. What else were they doing? They were praying. Now, why is he right? He said they were preaching. Does anybody know why he's right when it doesn't say they were preaching, but they were praying and singing? Why is he still right? Does anybody know the story well enough to know? There's a little phrase. Anybody know it? Elijah? And the prisoners heard them. That's exactly the quote. You see, they were praying and singing, and their praying and singing was preaching. Others were hearing them. And if you see how, how Peter and Paul and Paul prays, you're going to find out it's some really preaching powerful prayer. Especially considering the fact that Paul's prayers tend to be declarations of truth, that he's preaching to his own soul. He's preaching to his own soul. I told you when I started this, there was no way we were going to get through all of the illustrations especially because I think we need to take some time 
to pray, to pray. And I have an idea to help us today. Could all of you who have your Bibles go to the back and look and see if you have a concordance? Look and see if you have a concordance in the back of your Bible. I'm curious, just as a point of survey here, of the Bible you carry to church, how many of you do not have any kind of concordance in the back of your Bible? How many of you do not? You haven't checked yet. Do you know what a concordance is? A concordance has a list of words, and then it tells you where you can find those words in your Bible. So you might find a list, and you might find the word pray or prayer. And then it says some references of where that word pray or prayer is in your Bible. How many of you looking at your Bibles have no concordance? Can I see your hands? Okay, but most of you do. Most of you do. Okay. You know, I'd like for us to take a moment here for you to look in the back of your concordance, and if, you're, if you want to have a Strong's concordance or something, Elijah and Owen, could you guys come here? Here, Elijah, you carry the books. Owen, you can take off the stack. Here, hang on, there's more. And if you'd like one of these, just raise your hand and you can ask for it. Up here on the top, there's... Um, there is the Harper's Topical Concordance, and there's the Decrudence Concordance, and then there's one Young's Concordance, and the rest of these are Strong's Concordance. If you'd like to look at them, grab it. Here's, go ahead and get their attention. You can pass it around, and you should pass them out. So there's a guy over there who wants a concordance. Which one? If you want a concordance, raise your hand. If not, that's fine if you have one. What would I like you to do? I'd like you to look up the word pray and prayer. And I'd like you to prayerfully... Look through some of those verses. And I'd like for you to spend just five minutes to look for a truth about prayer. Just five minutes. Look for a truth about prayer that you find all by yourself. And I want you to just take a moment to talk to God about it. And then we'll spend the next um, five or so minutes just sharing some of the things that we learned. So let's take five minutes and look at those words for prayer and pray and see if there's things that we can learn or be reminded of. That's one of the glorious things about the Word of God is we can also be reminded of things. So five minutes.
news that you'd like to share, Virgil? I realized right here, the word right before pray is praise, pray, preach in my Bible. <laughs> Great how that works out. Mine's not quite like that. I got a little more exhaustive than yours. But there's a part of it. Praying, prayer, and preaching, they do go together, don't they? Well, you mentioned teach us to pray. Luke 11. And one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us how to pray. That is a beautiful prayer. You know, I took a group of foreign students to Amish land <laughs> for, for a dinner. And uh, they, before, before we ate dinner, and the host prayed in German, because it was a German class. And he said the word, part, part of his prayer was the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. And part of it was, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. It was beautiful. But the Lord gave us the perfect example of prayer. So our prayer should include some of this sometimes, you know. It's how to pray. Yes. Thank you. If you didn't know he's a bus driver, that's how he was bus driving around. Derek. So I uh, referenced Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four time. Then these, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. So he knew he shouldn't be praying to his god by the law of the land, but he did anyway because he knew that God is sovereign. So I think that's a good lesson for everybody. And I wanted to share also, uh, when I first was saved, a uh, old-timer saint told me, he said, uh, Lenny Whitaker, he's since gone on to be with the Lord. He was a horrible golfer, but he's fun to golf with. But he told me, uh, preach always, and when necessary, speak. <laughs> I thought that was good. Right up here, Miss, Miss Fultz. Ethan. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesse. 
like Jeremiah 29:13. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Amen. All of the psalms are really about praise and prayer, but um, Psalm 116, the first couple verses. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Amen. So in 1 Samuel chapter 7, um, it speaks of when the nation of Israel was um, in trouble with the Philistines. And it's Samuel speaking, he says, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And he gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. So that was reminding me of the importance of repentance in prayer, um, thinking also of the verse, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Yes. So that's taking hold of the promise of God for forgiveness is important in prayer. Amen. There's a few around. I'll let you just pick, Ethan. So I like James 16, confess your, James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I just think that it's teaching if you confess your faults, God will forgive you. So true. I was reading in Psalm 42, 8, where it says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night the song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. And I think throughout the Psalms, you see that for David, when he was going through all the horrible things he was going through, prayer for him wasn't a duty, it wasn't even like a pleasure, it was a lifeline for mm -hmm. him, like it kept him going. Amen. I like um, Luke 18.1. And he, Jesus, spake parable unto them to this end, that men always, men ought always to pray and not to faint or not lose heart. And that speaks to me about the value of believing, which is what you opened with, believing, prayer, prayerful believing. Amen. I just noticed as I was uh, scanning through uh, the, the correlation of, of uh, the word mountain and, uh, and pray in the Gospels. And in Matthew 14, he says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. 
And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And then in, uh, in Luke 20, uh, 9:28, we see again, and it came to pass about, about eight days after the saying, he took Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. And uh, just interesting how we're seeing Jesus taking time to, to step away from everything and to have uh, personal time with God and tips to pray. Yes. Well, actually, just a couple of chapters after what Christopher read, um, the children of Israel had been asking for a king, and um, then they were repenting in verse 12 that they had sinned against the Lord, asking for a king. And Samuel challenged them, you know, these things to do um, faithfully serving the Lord. And then he goes on to say, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, for I will teach you the good and the right way. And um, I just have never observed in that verse before the, the sin of forgetting to pray for others. Yeah. Back to Matthew 18, another lesson from that is that we are to pray without losing heart. Don't give up. It's part of being steadfast, even when we don't seem to see lessons. The second lesson in that same chapter is the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee was self-righteous and the publican was humble and asking for forgiveness as a basis of prayer. Yeah. Bruce. One thing that stood out to me is I was looking at Philippians 4, uh, where Miss Pam's read from, and how it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This sense of bringing, uh, bringing your requests and your, your needs to God with thanksgiving. And then I thought back as Jesus um, in John, uh, when, when Lazarus had died, uh, it says that... Um, Jesus was praying to the Father, and he says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. We see Jesus in different times where he prays and thanks God and praises God for the scenario. And then I, then I saw in Ephesians 
uh, it says, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And just this, I feel like sometimes, particularly for me, but I'm sure others have had it too, where we can sometimes come to the Lord always with our requests and praying for someone and praying for this and praying for that and bringing all of our needs, but to make sure we're counterbalancing that with following up when those prayer requests are answered. Do we, are we as vigilant about going back and praising him and thanking him for the, the things he's supplied so abundantly as much as, as bringing our requests to him? Amen. Ephesians six sixteen says, praying always, or I guess it's 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And we were doing it together, Mickey and I, and he goes, I don't know what perseverance means. I said, well, how many times do you ask mama for something? <laughs> and he's like, I ask a lot, you know, until you get it. And so I think that watching there unto with all perseverance is like you keep going until you get an answer you know whether it's yes or no but keep on praying there we go honey the next time you're frustrated with them pestering you to turn it around you're praying as much as you're asking me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well we have come to our time here this morning thank you for sharing we're going to pick this up this afternoon, Lord willing, um, after our meeting this afternoon. So in both conversation, but also in earnest prayer. I'd like to invite any of you who'd like to, as we can fill up the office, um, each Sunday morning before the morning service, a group of people meet in my office to pray for the service. And, um, you know, if you all want to join, you know, we can fill up the office and overflow into the auditorium if need be. But um, I know lots of people have different things you're doing and getting ready for the service. That's wonderful. But if you are available and you'd like to join us in my office, we, about now is when we begin to pray. And so that's where I'm going to head right now after I get a drink. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks to you that we can come to you, that you hear our prayers. Oh, Lord. Oh. We've learned such things about you and such things of how you want us to have fellowship with you in prayer. Lord, I pray that your people here today would be encouraged and that together, in one accord, we would pray, pray better, pray more, depend, as, as Bruce shared with us. May every, may every breath we breathe be a prayer of trusting dependence in you. And remind us, Lord, of your glory. We now commit ourselves to you in the rest of this day. Glorify yourself, I pray. Amen.